when Paul talks about spiritual people, he just means people who have the spirit. That's right. People who are filled with the spirit. Mm. And so if the spirit of God is in you, you are spiritual. That That's what it means. You're empowered by the, the spirit of God. And you experience then the illuminating work of, of the spirit. So yeah. Paul can talk about you know the gospel. There are people who they hear it, they don't understand it. They read scripture and they don't get anything out of it because they don't have the spirit. These are spiritual words that are spiritually discerned, meaning words inspired by the spirit and words that are understood with the spirit's help. That's right. And so it's, it's impossible to live the Christian life in our own strength, but we are to be spiritual people filled with the spirit. You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles, and we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Make and Multiply. My name is Matt Gruden. I'm one of the pastors here at Emmaus Road Church. Joined this morning with my dear friends Ryan Chase, who's also a pastor at Emmaus, and Caleb Dernberger, one of our pastoral residents and deacons who serves in the, the under our music team. And we are back. We are back. We <laughs> took a week off, um, and here we are. So it's good to do, good to be back. And uh, just disclaimer: we are recording this. In my kitchen. So if there's a dog barking in the background or kids running in, just bear with us. This is, <laughs> we're not the most professional studio ever, but that won't stop us from diving into this week's episode of, we're going to go back into the statement of faith, particularly the section on the empowering ministry of the spirit. Guys, after this, we only have three more categories in the statement of faith. Then we will have worked through the entire Sovereign Grace Statement of Faith, which it's been good. Yeah, it's been rich every mm-hmm. time. I feel like when we read from this text or from these from this confessional statement, I'm reminded of the work that was put in by our theolo- theology committee. Reminded of the work put in by, uh, yeah, by by those guys in Sovereign Grace. So let me start by. Okay, dog just walked by. Everybody, calm down. Ted, calm down. Let me start by reading uh, in the empowering ministry of the Spirit. Reminder that these can be found at EmmausRoadSF.com slash beliefs. All of these can be found there. So, under the empowering ministry of the Spirit, under the first subsection of the filling of the Spirit. When Christ ascended, he poured out the Holy Spirit on the church, ushering in a greater experience of God's presence and power among his people. The Spirit transforms hearts by the miracle of regeneration and indwells all believers in abundant new covenant measure. The Spirit also desires to fill God's people continually with increased power for Christian life and witness. To be filled with the Spirit is to be more fully under His influence, more aware of His presence, and more effective in His service. All Christians, therefore, must continually seek to be filled with the Spirit by living and praying in such a way that invites the Spirit's work among us, actively longing for God to accomplish His gracious purpose in us and through us. The filling of the Spirit brings to God's people a deeper knowledge of Christ, an increased desire for holiness, a stronger commitment to unity and love, a greater fruitfulness in ministry, and a deeper gratitude for our salvation. 
Mm. Well, <laughs> that's the work of the Spirit. Yeah, mm. that's incredible. So let's let's just start. What lines or or sentences or phrases, just as we reread that, guys? What what stands out to you as you as you hear it read, as you read along? Yeah, when the first line, when Christ ascended, he poured out the Holy Spirit on the church, is just kind of dropping down into the middle of the story. Hmm. Um, We have an entire Old Testament before that, where there are promises about the Spirit's future work, as well as instances throughout the Old Testament of the Spirit working. So, you know, it would be incorrect to think the Spirit was absent or not working until the day of Pentecost. Um, the spirit was present from the beginning. We see in Genesis one, the spirit of God hovering over the waters of the deep active in creation. The spirit is active throughout the old Testament, empowering, uh, people anointing God's servants, but there are promises through the prophets of a coming day when God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, all of his his people are going to experience this increased activity and empowering presence of the Spirit. And so the fact that that event is tied to the ascension of Christ Jesus and that he's the one who pours out the Spirit. Mm. When, when um, John the Baptist comes, he says, I baptize you with water, but after me comes one even greater than than I, whose mm. sandals I'm not worthy to untie, and he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So... John is pointing ahead to someone even greater. And so Mm. the fact that Jesus is the one who pours out, baptizes, saturates, immerses us in the Spirit of God, and that the outpouring of the Spirit is connected to Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension is significant in the story. So right off the bat, that clues us in that this is something that was promised and foretold Mm. and then finally fulfilled when Christ ascended and poured out his, uh, his hmm. spirit on his people. Hmm. I remember when I was at the pastor's college, we took um, our class on pneumatology, which is this, this is what that, the doctrine of the spirit or the Holy Spirit is referred to as pneumatology, pneumos being the Greek word for wind or spirit. And so it's the study of the spirit. And I was in that pneumatology course taught by Jeff Perswell. I just remember he, one of his first lectures was on the roles of the spirit in the old Testament. Cause typically we think of, we are now in the spirit, the age of the spirit mm-hmm. where all this is true for us because of, we live post Christ's resurrection as it says, but man, I was just blown away by all that the spirit was up to mm-hmm. in the old Testament. Uh, particularly, and I think this is gets to some of it is that in the presence of God in the, the tabernacle, I mean that one of the, the agents, one of the roles of the spirit is to be the presence of God among us. And so in the old Testament, that was locative, that was control. I mean, that was in a certain geographical place, first in the tabernacle and then in the temple. Uh, And then what happens in Christ is now that, you know, the curtain is torn and now God's spirit, which was there before is now poured out. I think that's just the right way to say poured out Mm -hmm. on his people in a much greater Way I think he says um, indwells all believers in abundant new covenant measure. Uh, he is God's presence on earth amongst us, and not only his presence but power mm-hmm. amongst us. So that that's just you know we take these categories from the Old Testament of going to the temple to meet with God, having to go to Jerusalem to meet with God through mediators, through a high priest, through sacrifices. Now because of all that Jesus did, 
and he had to do in order for us to be able to now dwell with God in a different way, in this mm-hmm. new abundant way. Um, and that's what happens. At our, at our conversion, when we are united to Christ now, we are united not only to him, but also to he pours out his spirit in us to empower us for this, uh, for the fruits of the spirit to begin right. to become evident. They're not fruit of me, but fruit of the spirit that can only happen because of a supernatural work of God. And that supernatural is work worker is the spirit within us. So it's just, do we think on ourselves that way? Like, are we aware of who is indwelling in us? That's another category. Maybe we can talk of it's, you know, the person or of the person of the Holy spirit is a person of the Trinity, not a force, mm-hmm. not some impersonal, you know, like, like the force, but is a person. Mm-hmm. It's referred to in the scriptures as he, and he will convict you. When, when Jesus says in John 14, I believe, of uh, maybe 16, when, when the helper comes, he will convict you of sin and convict the world of sin. And so that's helpful. Do, are we aware of what's, yeah. w- what power we have as Christians because mm-hmm. of <clears throat> Christ's work and now the Spirit? Going through Exodus, especially right now in our sermon series, is is helpful because <clears throat> we see so clearly the nature of our sin and and just the people's rebellion against God, but really how God graciously gives His law to us, and and yet it's like it's like what's going on with these stiff-necked people? They just don't get it. They can't do it. And, and it, I love how this section of the statement of faith really just so wonderfully puts the miracle of what God has done for us in saving us. Um, That second line, the spirit transforms hearts by the miracle of regeneration Mm. and all that language, even in in Ezekiel and stuff like that, where it's talking about God taking out our heart of stone prior to conversion. Our hearts are, they're dead, unable to, know God, love God, trust God. And unless God by his spirit takes out that heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh that is soft and warm and receptive and mm-hmm. responsive to God, then nothing, nothing good can happen. And, and, and I love too, how this section of the statement of faith shares the evidence of, do you have a heart of flesh? Hmm. It says, God's people, the spirit brings to God's people a deeper knowledge of Christ. So do you know Christ more deeply? Are you, are you loving him more deeply? Even if it's in small measures, do do you have any affection for Christ An increased desire for holiness? Are you, do you actually care that you do keep sinning and you want to hate your sin, even though you keep sinning, but you want to turn and you want to love God, a stronger commitment to unity and love, a greater fruitfulness in ministry. All these things are just evidence of this miraculous work that God has done in taking out a heart that once was hostile and could not do anything good Mm -hmm. and now is in sway of, of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to clarify too, that uh, like our statement of faith says here, we believe the spirit of God desires to fill God's people continually with increased power. So there's language there of this ongoing continual action of being filled and in increasing power. That's in contrast to Pentecostalism, which would teach that 
some people are spirit-filled Christians mm. and others are Christians who are not yet spirit-filled or not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Pentecostalism would identify speaking in tongues as the the evidence or the proof that you're a spirit-filled Christian, right. mm. that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so essentially there are kind of two classes of Christians, spirit-filled and not spirit-filled. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I think in other circles, you have the right emphasis that no, all believers have the Holy Spirit, but then it's kind of just a standard, well, everybody has the spirit, that's the end of the matter. Mm. Whereas what we're saying here is we believe scripture teaches that the spirit desires to continually fill us and fill us with increasing power. And we see that throughout the book of Acts when on the day of Pentecost, the spirit is poured out and believers are filled with the spirit. But then if you keep reading in Acts again and again, Luke narrates that you know, Peter was filled with the Spirit and he stood up and he preached. And then he'll say it again about people we we know they were filled with the Spirit, but he'll emphasize again when Peter got up again, he was filled with the Spirit. So there's this, you know, in in the moment, Luke is emphasizing the Spirit was filling him for this task, anointing him for this purpose. Uh, and we see that command from Paul in Ephesians 5 when he says, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Mm be filled. And, you know, it's always pointed out the Greek verb tense. There is this ongoing continuous Mm. action, be being filled with the spirit, not just a one time. Right. And it's, it's a command too. It's in a command setting too. This isn't optional for Christians. Mm -hmm. It's a command from God to pursue that, to Mm -hmm. be continually filled with the spirit. So it's not... What that does for us is says we can't just say, well, those are just more spiritual Christians. They can continue being filled. I'm over here. I got my portion. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're going to obey the word, if we're going to do what it says and 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 be obedient to God's word, we have to take that seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so then how we conceptualize that matters. It's not like you stop at the gas station, get filled up, mm-hmm. and then you run the tank down to empty, and then you get filled up again. You know, right. It's not like you are going in and out of, well, now I've run out of the spirit. Right, that's good. Um, I think a a more helpful way to think about it is the way that a balloon, you could fill it with air and it's full of air, but you could blow more air into it and it's still full of air. So every Christian is full of the spirit Mm. and God gives us capacity for more of the spirit and in particular moments. And, and, you know, that's true. We just experience whether it's uh, battling temptation Mm. sin or... Uh, finding ourselves in a moment of needing to minister to somebody else and we're just aware of our own limitations, mm-hmm. limitations of our mind and our own lack of wisdom and just knowing I, I need the Spirit to help me for yeah. this or called to witness to somebody and just praying, God, fill me with your Spirit and anoint yeah. me for this task or coming in on a Sunday morning and just realizing, well, I'm, I'm coming out of a whole week of ups and downs and just aware of my own flesh and my limitations fill me with your spirit. Mm. I, I think probably the, the best rhythm for us is just daily, mm. every morning realizing I, I, I want to be in faith today, full of the spirit today for whatever it is that this day holds that God has for me here. Um, so so I, I think that's really what stands out in this section of the statement of faith is that emphasis on the, the active presence and power of God in us through the spirit of God, who is God himself, filling us afresh yeah. with all that we need from God today. Yeah, I think it's helpful. You know, the Spirit is. We can we can conceptualize Him as 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 just this distant 
we access him when we need him, but rather as a Christian, part of what we are spirit people, yes. we are, all of our life is lived by the spirit is he's like that breath, this, which is what the Greek pneumos is that wind or breath or spirit, this inhaling and exhaling. The very life of the Christian is dependent on what the spirit brings to us. Uh, I'm reminded of this incredible promise, the new covenant promise, Ezekiel 36, 26, where Ezekiel says, God speaking about the coming new covenant, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit. I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone and flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and not just put it within you and to be accessed whenever you want or when, when you're feeling especially down, but to cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rule. So any progress we experience as Christians is because of the spirit's work. Any, like you said earlier about any hatred towards our sin, any progress in sanctification is solely because of the spirit. Mm-hmm. We, we have no other, it, we cannot say, well, I'm just a better person. I'm just stronger. I'm just whatever. No, all of us are completely laid low <laughs> when it comes to our sin. And the spirit is that thing that um, is the one, the, the God, right. the, the thing that's causing right. all of us to live. Mm-hmm. All right. Somebody made too many movements. <laughs> Watch dog. Watch out. Yeah. No, I, uh, I think Galatians five, yeah. The fruit of the Spirit is relevant here as well, a description mm. of what the Spirit produces in us as we're filled with the Spirit. And there, Paul's command is walk by the Spirit or keep in step with the Spirit, which yeah. is another way of saying the same thing, walking by the Spirit. Um, Christians, the, the entire Christian life is to be Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered. That's what, to be a Christian is to be in Christ and to be filled with the Spirit. So when Paul talks about you who are spiritual, the word spiritual, I, I think in our day and in English, it, it kind of has a culture or a, a connotation of, uh, you know, some people are spiritual people and other people aren't. And it kind of means like, you know, some people are more mystical or something. <laughs> uh, but when Paul talks about spiritual people, he just means people who have the Spirit. That's right. People who are filled with the Spirit. Mm. And so if the Spirit of God is in you, you are spiritual. That, that's what it means. You're empowered by the, the Spirit of God. And you experience then the illuminating work of, of the Spirit. So yeah. Paul can talk about you know, the gospel. There are people who, they hear it, they don't understand it. They read scripture and they don't get anything out of it because they don't have the Spirit. These are spiritual words that are spiritually discerned, meaning words inspired by the Spirit and words that are understood with the Spirit's help. That's right. And so it's, it's impossible to live the Christian life in our own strength, but we are to be spiritual people filled with the Spirit. Hmm. And people who are filled by the Spirit then, we believe, have access, as you said there, Ryan, of the, to the gifts of the Spirit. Um, so let me read this, this second section, because this, I think, um, yeah, everything we've been talking about here, we were saying a little bit before we turned on the mics, that this particular doctrine and kind of our understanding of it, our convictions towards it are a little bit more, uh, make us more distinctive, especially in the broader, what we would probably claim as the reformed tradition tradition. Um, and so this makes us a little bit more of a distinct thing away from like the thing that separates us between, let's say Presbyterians or, you know, reformed, uh, denominations isn't just baptism, our, our mode and means of baptism, but also something like this, how we view the work of the Spirit. Uh, but part of that comes out 
you know, if you're in that discussion with somebody who goes to a Presbyterian church, comes out in this next section of the gifts of the Spirit. How do we understand the operation of these gifts, particularly the more miraculous ones? So let me read this section, and then we'll, we'll discuss. So the gifts of the Spirit. Christ loves the church, his body, and provides for its health and growth through the Holy Spirit. In addition to giving new life, the Spirit sovereignly bestows gifts on every believer. Spiritual gifts are those abilities and expressions of God's power given by his grace for the glory of Christ and the building up of the church. The variety of these gifts, some permanent, some occasional, some more natural, and some more remarkable, reflect the diversity of the members of Christ's body and demonstrates our need for one another. The gifts are not to be exercised with apprehension, pride, or disorder, but with faith love, and order, and always in submission to the authority of Scripture as the final revelation of God, with the exception of those among the apostles who were commissioned as eyewitnesses of Christ and made recipients of normative revelation, the full range of spiritual gifts remain at work in the church and are given for the good of the church and its witness to the world. We are therefore to earnestly desire and practice them until Christ returns. Mm. <laughs> so again, that that would be a distinctive. Um, and Ryan, maybe maybe flesh some of that out. What would the distinctive be? Yeah, the fact that we believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit, which are described in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, we see them in operation in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament epistles. Uh, Paul we don't have any one exhaustive list, but Paul talks about gifts of the Spirit in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, and we see some smatterings in other places of some spiritual gifts. First Peter talks about uh, various gifts that the Spirit gives. In 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, uh, Paul's emphasis is on the fact that there is one Spirit, mm-hmm. one, one God, who gives and empowers a variety of gifts. And so that's where we have that well-known metaphor of the church, like a body with many members, many parts, and each part is different, plays a unique role, but each of those roles builds up the body. And as Paul deals with spiritual gifts, the overwhelming theme, first in in 1 Corinthians 12, is that all those gifts come from one giver. Mm. They're, They're empowered by the same spirit. And then his emphasis in chapter 14 is that the purpose of spiritual gifts is to build up the body. Mm-hmm. They are to be used to edify the body. So spiritual gifts are not like a badge of spiritual maturity. Right. Like, oh, if you have this gift, you must have really done something special to, to get that. <laughs> the, the, the very nature of gifts is that they are given. They're not yes. earned. They're not deserved. Um, they're bestowed by the Spirit for building up the body of Christ. And one of the most, I think, for me personally... Uh, insightful, helpful things that Paul says there in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, if, if you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, then strive to excel at building up the body. Yeah. So he makes this connection. If, if you want to experience the active presence of God among you, the thing that you should do is look for opportunities to encourage and strengthen and serve other believers in the church. And as you do that, as you step out in faith, looking to build others up, that's when the Spirit of God is pleased to work. If you're trying to make much of yourself or uh, you know, attain some fame for yourself, you're, <laughs> you're missing it completely. So um, you know, the distinctive is we, we believe that those gifts of the Spirit continue, and, and that would be distinct from 
a view often called cessationism, right? Which is the view that the more miraculous gifts of the Spirit have ceased; or they were confined only to the the early church, the, the New Testament era, uh, only to the apostles, even. Mm-hmm. And within cessationism, there are a couple different views. One is that there are no more miraculous workings of God in the world today. There are others who would probably call themselves more like historic cessationists who would say, "No, God." could still do miracles if he wanted. He might still heal somebody here or there, but it's just not... They would be uncomfortable ever using terms from the New Testament like gift of prophecy or gift of healing, um, they, though they would say God could heal if he, if he wanted to, whereas we believe the gifts that are described in the New Testament continue to be in operation today. Maybe answer this question too, Ryan. Well, would we, we say that the gifts, these more miraculous gifts, would we say that they are more constitutional, like belonging to people Hmm. in constitute, like you have the gift and I don't, or would we say they're a bit more occasional? They are given by God circumstantially to, to function in a certain circumstance for the edification of the church. Yeah. We would say the latter that, uh, I think it's common, especially if you have taken like spiritual gifts assessments right. or inventories. They're set up a lot like a personality test and you kind of get the sense, oh, I have gifts X, Y, and Z. Th- these are the gifts that I have. Whereas particularly because of what Paul says about spiritual gifts, uh, the command is also repeated in First Corinthians 14 to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Uh, he says, especially that you may prophesy. Right. And so you get the sense as you read it, like, wait, Paul is implying that it is right for Christians to desire to be empowered by the Spirit, to build up the body through gifts that they might not necessarily think they have or they haven't experienced yet. Whereas, you know, if you kind of say, well, I've got these gifts, that's it. Why would Paul say, desire this, ask God for this, hope that the Spirit would use you in this way to build up the body. And so because of those commands from Paul to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, we, we believe that, you know, there it is right there in Scripture. So this is a biblical command. Right. Um, and, and then we leave it to the Spirit, who's the giver of the gifts, whether or not he empowers any one of us in any particular way. But the desire is the same for all of us. And so rather than kind of having a limited view of like, well, this is my gift, I have this, and you have that, mm. um, really it's... it's the whole body having an attitude of we want to build up the body. We want to be filled and empowered by the spirit to do that. However, he's pleased to do that. And any believer could find themselves in a situation where maybe somebody's sick and needs healing. And rather than thinking, well, I don't have the gift of healing. Hmm. It would be right to rely on the spirit and pray in faith and, and let God determine what happens. And in, in that situation as well, any healing that does take place is not because the person who had the gift showed up and got to work, right. but rather because God, who is the great healer, is at work in his church through regular, ordinary, normal believers in order to produce miraculously wonderful, supernatural gifts to both build up the church and to witness to the watching world. Yeah, um, yeah I'm just I'm mindful of that, that command in 1 Corinthians 14 of... Pursue love, that's a command, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Both of those are commands. And one of the temptations of the cessationist posture is to just culturalize those commands. Well, those are commands given to a certain church in a certain context and don't apply to us. 
But the question then would be, well, how do you know which commands are applied mm. to that <laughs> church rather than to us? I think that's a product. Our skepticism of the miraculous, I think, is just a product of our circumstance, of where we find ourselves in history of being in a materialistic, atheistic society where everything needs a material explanation. Um, and so we need to be mindful of that. If we find when the gifts are exercised, particularly like on a Sunday, and Caleb, maybe you can speak to this in a second, where, uh, for instance, where, where the prophecy mic is utilized, if our posture towards that is skepticism, uh, you know, well, this is weird, and just like general uneasiness, I think part of our a chance to grow is to ask ourselves, where is that coming from? Because for me, all the so I was a cessationist for most of my life, and for me, it was just this general skepticism towards the miraculous. And then, as I you know, over time grew and started to like, well, say, ask those same questions I just asked earlier. Then I remember sitting in Jeff Percival's pneumatology class, and he just said, "Brothers, mystery is a category of God <laughs> to us." We should not be able. We should not expect to be able to get our arms fully around everything that happens in the Christian life, uh, and that just was humbling. That that was like okay, just because it doesn't make sense to me, does not mean it's therefore not true or anything like that. So maybe going back, Caleb, maybe give us a little bit of how how does the gifts work in the gathering? How sh- how, how should we expect them to? Yeah. Well, yeah, one of the clearest, I think we've already alluded to that, one of the clearest places in scripture where it's really filled out in that context and, and those commands are given is in, in 1 Corinthians. And um, I think recognizing the context of, of that letter as well, Paul is addressing a very, they're a very spiritual people um, with who have spiritual gifts, but there's a lot of warning in what he says because... Um, they're so focused on, on the personal experience that they become puffed up and just kind of like, it's, you know, you have that, I have this. And that, that is a real temptation for us. That might even be a limiting factor for why we might be kind of like put off by that, where it becomes this, becomes this, you know, competitive Mm -hmm. or there's, this is supreme, this is not, or what do I have, what I have to give is not as great as that one. And and Mm -hmm. that's again, just kind of this, you know, way that we could kind of pit pit things over one another. It's like hunting down the source of the power in yeah. other people rather than recognizing we all have access to the same power that who gives abundantly. Yeah. So like asking, well, that person can contribute more than me it, it, is framing the question wrong. That person's not contributing anything more than what the Spirit's pouring out. Right. And so the, the command from Paul is, well, desire it, seek it, ask for more of the spirit, be continually feel, filled. Yeah. Yeah. And evidence of that, I think it's, it's flushed on Christian circles, especially too, because, um, there are, there are people who we would say have significant giftings and like of teaching and preaching and all these types of things. And we admire them, but I think even in Christian context, we can almost like, wow, that is, that person's so amazing. And I know men who are incredibly gifted, who I would almost be like, wow, that guy's an incredible preacher. And he would say, I'm just a normal guy mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> being, being filled with the spirit, empowered by the spirit to do this for God's uh, glory. And so, <clears throat> yeah. But anyways, I think that term t- edification to, to build up is, is especially uh, helpful to us. That is the aim of why God gives gifts. Um, I think that that's one of the reasons why we anticipate, jeez, there's a lot of things happening in this house. <laughs> it's just a fly. <laughs> just relax. Um <clears throat> 
I think that's one of the reasons it's an assumption and, and ex, um, expressed in new Testament scripture that the, the works of the spirit are more pronounced when the people of God gather together Yeah, um, rather than when we're just by ourselves. And so that's why we so love Sundays mm. because, um, yeah, the, the manifestation of the spirit is more pronounced there as we gather together as the church than if we were in our basement by ourselves, because God has given gifts to all believers. All he's give, everyone has a gift. They all differ, but they're all for the same purpose of building up one another, edifying one another and, and glorifying God. And those are two sides of the same coin, really to build up and to worship God. We worship God when we edify, we edify when, when we edify, we are worshiping. And so, um, being mindful of that, when every Christian who's has a gift of the spirit is utilizing, is acting by faith and being equipped in strength to do that work of God, in a sense, active uh, service of helping um, the gift of faith, the gift of mercy, the gift mm. of healing, the gift of administration, all these things, um, it should not cause us to be like, wow, look at that person. They're really awesome at what they're doing. Wow. Um, it should cause us to glory in God who is expressing his presence and, and, ev- and it's an evidence of his presence among us when we, when we gather together, it's yeah. all going that, um, direction. So yeah, I mean, there's so much to be said there, but <clears throat> I think, yeah, I, it's just even, you know, also want to highlight as we talk about these more miraculous gifts of the spirit and in our in our openness and des- eagerly desiring earnestly desiring of those gifts don't downplay the normal work of the spirit in your life mm-hmm. like when we gather to be able to sing and to be affected by singing and to hear and understand and then to go and obey the word preached the conversations we have with one another and in gospel community and just all of the one another commands, even to obey those commands is to be affected and empowered by the spirit yeah. mm-hmm. is, is the evidence of God's, we often use that language. It's evidence of God's grace in you. That's the spirit at work. Um, so if you're a Christian, you have that spirit and that's why we love it so much. Cause we at Emmaus road, when we love being together and we love being in, holy cow. Hey, wait, <clears throat> calm down. We love being together. We love seeking the spirit. And so any gospel fluency, any, any ability to ability to obey God's commands, that all just comes from the spirit. So mm, on sorry. Sundays, when we gather and you sing, just be mindful. That's the spirit at work in you. When you yeah. sit and listen, that's the spirit at work in you. When you disciple your kids through <laughs> discipline, that's the spirit at work in you. So mm. We are people of the Spirit. Yeah, yeah, when Paul's addressing the gifts of the Spirit with that church in Corinth, I think his message, and, and I, I, would, I would echo this to our church, is when we gather together, keep one another in view. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's such a gift. Uh, there are so many ways it's expressed, but um, if gifts are for the edification of the church, the body, um, then it matters that we first are together, and it, and it matters that we are recipients of that, that grace that God means for us through other people. So even to be able to see other people or to have other people in view, um, you know, what we do on Sundays, especially is not like this, all eyes on front, the stage is lit. Let's just focus in on one thing up there. No, 
look, look around, have others in view and, and think on others. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful for those in our church who um, have, have the faith and have expressed that faith recently, even, and just, um, you know, there might be an impression from God and it's very, oh man, <laughs> it is very easy for us, for, for someone like that, especially to think, oh, this, there's, this is not, I don't know. I don't think this is for many people or this, it's, it's easier for me just to actually be quiet than mm-hmm. actually go forth and, and maybe test this or express this. Um, I think that's, that's always, uh, that's always a temptation for all of us just because <clears throat> I think we, um, are not mindful that we are spiritual people. <laughs> we think we're more competent people <laughs> and we don't want to be those who just l- lead or live out of our competencies because then we'll be <clears throat> a fearful people that maybe are not expressing those, those benefits to others. So, um, yeah, just have other people in view, whether it's thinking, should I share this or should I sing this way (laughs) or, Mm. or all those types of things? Is it for myself or am I, or is myself keeping me from doing what God would have me do, which is build up the church and glorify him? Mm. It's good. Well, May we eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that we might prophesy. Would, one quick word. Ryan, what, what is that word? What does that mean, to prophesy? Mm, I think <laughs> we should save all this for part two. <laughs> Holy we didn't even get into the... Part two? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, we'll see you in part two. Until right. next time. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles or missional communities or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.